0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Hi everyone, I'm at Bob's house retaping the sermon. I guess God knew that it wasn't good enough the first time, so I have to redo it, uh, because we had a little taping mix-up. But no problem, because... Uh, it's always good. I, I need this sermon twice. I guess I need to hear it myself twice. But the the title for today is the Golden Rule, Matthew seven verse twelve. Now the Golden Rule is found in some form in many religions. Hindus have it, Buddhists have it, Confuci- Confucius has it, even rabbinical Judaism has it. But there's a difference with the Golden Rule, is that they all state it in the negative. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's why. I kind of consider it the silver rule. It's not quite as good as gold. They deal with sins of commission, but not omission. That's why in the story of the Good Samaritan, these religious leaders could all pass by without helping the guy. Because it's their their silver rule says don't do what you don't want them to do. So they didn't do anything. And they didn't break their rule because it's the silver rule. But Jesus puts a positive spin on this rule that turns it from silver into gold. In Matthew 7:12, it says... So in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So it starts off saying so in everything. Some versions says therefore. It's the same word in the Greek, so or therefore. And whenever you see so or a therefore, it's there for a reason. It's connecting to the previous verses. And the previous verses talk about, and we talked about it last week, says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find verse 7 through 11, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, in everything you do, do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And so we talked last week about Matthew 7, 7-11. through 11, And we talked about prayer, asking God. And we talked about the assurance that we have that God will do what is best for us. And now it follows up with verse 11. It follows how we should do what is best for other people. God does what is best for us, so we should do what is best for others. It's connected. The way that God treats us should affect the way that we treat others. With mercy. It's not the way that they treat us, but the way God treats us. That should be the way that we treat other people. And that prayer relationship with God is key. It's critical in how we treat other people. If we are in a good place spiritually, we are in this close relationship through prayer with God, if we're in a good place spiritually, it will have an effect on the way that we treat other people, the way we treat our family, the way that we treat others. And also, if we trust God, remember we talked about trusting God to meet our needs. If we trust God to meet our needs, we won't be ripping other people off. And if through prayer we have faith that God is in control, we won't step on other people to get ahead at work or at school or anywhere. We won't be stepping on other people because we know that God is in control. So, or therefore, that's the basis for the rest of the verse. Not how others treat us, but how God treats us. Matthew 7, 12, back to that. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Not how someone treats us once again, but how we want to be treated. I know as a kid I used to know this verse and quote this verse, but I had it mixed up. I had it backward. I remember my philosophy was that when I was like 10, 11 years old, I remember, you know, saying. Do to others how, what they do to you. And that's kind of was my mantra, how I treated other people. The way they treated me, the way I treated them. And I said, it's in the Bible. That's what the Bible says. And I remember I shocked when I was like 11, maybe 12, reading this and, and, and reading it the right way. That do, to, do, do to others as you would have them do to you. I was in shock. It's funny, but how many of us live like that? We, even though we know what the verse really says, but we still live like that. We treat others the way that they treat us. Don't we all do that? You walk by someone, they smile at you. What do you do? You smile back. If they frown, what do you do? We don't look, frown. We don't frown at them, right? Someone cuts us off. We're out driving. They cut us off while we're driving. What do we do? We get defensive driving with them. We start to drive aggressively, you know, with them, or we get mad, or we say something. And and it's usually, even though we know what this verse says, we usually treat people that the way that they treat us. People that are friendly to us. We treat friendly people that are mean. We treat mean relatives, everything, it, it, it just goes around. Jesus is telling us how to break that cycle. How to break that cycle. Even so many of us, when we grow up, we still with our siblings, we still act with our siblings like we did when we were seven or eight. We still have the same bad cycles, and it's not just siblings, it's everybody. And Jesus tells us how to break that cycle. It's because our sin nature causes us to seek our own advantage in every situation at the expense of others it causes look at this it causes us to seek our own advantage in every situation even at the expense of others i see it with my own kids i got a, a houseload of kids as you know and we have a couple we have a tv in the living room we only have one tv hooked to the to the comcast because we want everybody to kind of be together at least for that part, I don't know why we're torturing ourselves, but anyway, there's a couple couches, but there's a couple blue chairs that are very comfortable, and, and everybody wants to sit in those two blue chairs, recliners, because they're the best place to watch TV, they're the closest, and they're comfortable, and what do the kids do when they walk in, do they say, oh, uh, does anybody want to sit in the blue chair, uh, because if you do, that's okay, I'll sit on the floor, People plop into the blue chair, and, and if someone else tries to sit next to them, even, even to share that space, they fight over it. And I finally have to say, either share the space or get on the floor, and they all fight over it. Or how about with the TV remote? Think of, of uh, 13, 15 people sharing a, a TV and a remote. What do you think they do? you say, oh, what do you guys all want to watch? We'll watch whatever you guys want to watch. No, they put on what they want, and then they fight tooth and nail to keep it on that same silly show, right? Refrigerator. We bring home some food, you know, going out, doggy bag, put it in the fridge. One of the kids sees it. Oh, does anybody want this or want to share this with me? No, they don't do it. They run to the other room, they hide, they eat it in the dark. You know, that's that's, that's what that's what every that's just our human nature. And uh, we go out to eat. Uh, maybe once a month, we'll take the whole family. We'll try to get them all into the van and take them all out to eat. And what we used to do is Kim and I would say, "Okay, um, where do you guys want to go eat?" And we'd get about fourteen different places and everybody'd fight and argue and we'd we finally vote and get it to close to one or two places and it'd be this big battle and I finally said, Kim, let's not do this anymore. And now we get in the van and I say they say, Where are we going? I said, It's a surprise. And when we get there if some 'em don't like it and inevitably somebody doesn't like it, they say, I don't like this place. Said, that's fine, stay in the car, I don't care. They always go in and eat. So but that that's our that's our human nature, that, that sin nature that always looks for our own advantage. Really, our whole culture is built on this premise, right? We're watching the Super Bowl on, on Sunday, and we're going to have a Super Bowl party, and everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl. What's the whole point of the Super Bowl? It's winner takes all. The loser is a total loser, but winner takes all, right? And if you have a friend who uh, who cheers for one of these teams, what happens? If their team wins are you going to call them and say, "Hey, congratulations! I'm so excited that your team won the Super Bowl." No, it eats you up because your team's not in it. If you're a, uh, an Eagles fan, they may never be in it. <laughs> anyway, the we, we we it eats us up. And what if your, what if your friend's team? You have a good friend whose team loses. What do you do? Send them a card saying sorry. No, you can't wait to call them and rub it in. doesn't matter if you haven't talked to them in a year. You're still going to call that friend or text that friend or email that friend and say, ha, ha, ha. Why? Because Because we're jealous that our team isn't in. That's just the way we are. But Jesus does something amazing here. He takes our selfish love, our self-love, and he uses it for a positive to teach others how to love. To teach us how, I'm sorry, to teach us how to love other people. He, he takes that selfishness and, and uses it to teach us how to love other people. And he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. Do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. Have you ever really read the whole Old Testament? <laughs> ever really read it? I personally love the Old Testament, but I have to admit, there are some parts that are hard to read or to understand. And it, it's easy to... It's easy to avoid it or not to read it or not to really study it. But I'm going to give you a shortcut if you're one of those people. I'm going to give you a shortcut. I hope you do read the whole Old Testament and and learn how to enjoy it. But I'm going to give you a shortcut. Just memorize and live the golden rule. Just memorize this golden rule and live this golden rule. And you're going to be understanding and living out the whole Old Testament. Because Jesus says it's the whole point of the law and the prophets. We can actually find all throughout the Old Testament this golden rule. In fact, in Leviticus 19.18, and there's a lot of different places where you can find this, where you can find the golden rule, but in Leviticus, and I know where to find it because I have read the whole Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 19.18, it says, turning here, still turning, Need a Bible drill here. Okay. 19.18, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's right there in Leviticus, all throughout. And the rabbis who had spiritual discernment, the rabbis who had that discernment when Jesus came along, they realized that it was the whole point of the law. In fact, in the book of Mark, chapter 12, and don't forget, we are in the book of Mark. We're actually preaching through the book of Mark. We just haven't been there in a while. Somebody said to me the other day, are we, what, what book are we actually preaching through? And I said, the book of Mark. But it's just that uh, wherever, wherever in the book of Mark, it jumps into Matthew or Luke or something, we've been jumping off. And we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a while. So we'll be, we'll be to this passage, Mark chapter 12, soon. You know I'm kidding. But anyway, Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 28, we see that one of the teachers of law did get this. One of the teachers of law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important one? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on no one dared to ask him any more questions. So we see Jesus takes control of this conversation and becomes the teacher to the teacher. But we also see that this man had that spiritual discernment to realize that that was the whole point. And as I was studying this passage, it hit me that Really, we should stop fighting about the posting the Ten Commandments. You know, it's such a battle to try to get them into schools and to get them into the government buildings and into the public life. There's this big battle whether we should have the Ten Commandments. Now, personally, I would love to have the Ten Commandments. I'd love to have the Bibles in schools, just like it was when I was a kid. But but we can sneak this in the back door. We should just start bringing in the golden rule because nobody has a problem with the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do it to you. What, what, nobody has a problem with that we should just sneak in the golden rule and use that, post that in schools and government buildings and in the public discussions because that's the whole point of the whole Bible, right? How is God speaking to us? I want to give you a golden rule challenge. I want to encourage you to write down the golden rule, to memorize it and try to live it for one week just one week, and hopefully it'll carry on from there, but to try to live this golden rule for one week, it's amazing how hard this is. I tried doing it this week leading up to the sermon, uh, challenged myself on this, and I'm at a basketball game, watching a girls' basketball game, and I'm watching it, and and watching the, our team play the other team, and usually I'm like, come on, kill those girls, and steal it, and, and if they miss a free throw, what do we do? We all cheer. They're missing something, we all cheer. Or they make a mistake, we all cheer, because it's good for our team. But I was thinking, you know what? I started to see the other team and the other girls with different eyes. I'm like, you know, I, I hope they do well. I hope this girl can make a free throw. And I here's a girl who's struggling out there. You can tell she's not as experienced. I hope she makes a shot or and, and I hope the other team has a positive experience. I didn't hope they win. I didn't go that far. I'm not that spiritual. But but I hope that I started to see that them with different eyes that I hope that they played well and I hope that we played well and that was the whole Focus and, and when the parents on the other team said mean nasty things about my daughter, I didn't say anything back I, I bit my tongue for that game uh, but anyway the the just that golden rule challenge for, for for our whole week try this to do unto others as we would have them do to us and an important part of this being able to do this are we staying to God close to God like we talked about with the prayer from the last few weeks are we staying close to God? Are we staying in close communion with him? That's what communion is all about, staying close to God. Are we trusting him for what happens in our lives? Because if we trust him with that, we stay close to God, we trust him for what happens in our life, we'll change the whole, that will change the whole way that we view others. Not always mad at people. Because why? They're not blocking my goals. They're not blocking what I want to accomplish. No matter what their motives are, even if they are trying to block my, my what I want to do, my goals, my purpose, whatever, it doesn't matter because I know that God is in control of my life. So it doesn't matter what their motives are. I don't have to question their motives or be angry at them. God is in control of my life. And it will change the whole way that I can see people and and treat people. And that close communion is the key to loving others, to treating others the way that Jesus wants us to. The way that God loves us is the way that we should treat other people. And how does God love us? Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, we are still sinners. And you've got to understand what sin is to a holy God is repulsive. It's horrible. Romans 5 talks about who we are God's enemies. We are his enemies. We, we hated him. And, and he hated our sin. But yet what did God do at that time? He gave his one and only son to die for us. He, he, he sacrificed his own son for his enemies so that we could be forgiven and have a relationship with him. That's what communion is all about. The bread that we're going to be taking and the the cup that we take for communion represents the body and the blood of Jesus that he he gave on the cross in our place because of his love so that we could be forgiven. But we have to act on that love. We have to act on that love. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes on him. Jesus, God loved us. He gave his son to die on the cross in our place that we be forgiven. But we have to believe in him. We have to put our trust in him. And I, I think of four F's with this. Forgive, faith, and follow. We have to say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin, the garbage of my whole life. I ask you to forgive me. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ, your son, who died on the cross in my place. I put my faith in him my trust in him for that forgiveness and i'm gonna follow him i'm gonna follow him i give you my life god what i'm gonna follow jesus now and and give you control of my life that's what communion is really all about that's what god's love is really all about and just and and as we take communion we want to remember that but also as christians as we come to this time of prayer are we staying close to God's love? Are we in that close relationship with him? And who is he calling us to love? Could be someone close to us. Could be someone really not close to us. But who is he calling us to love with the love of Jesus Christ? And have we acted on that love? Have you ever prayed and said, God, I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Have you taken that step of faith? I pray that you do.